The content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult a healthcare professional with any medical questions and concerns. If you are experiencing an emergency or need immediate help, call 911. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a therapeutic relationship. I just get so angry. It's hard to sit still. I don't want to be this way. My brain just feels all scrambled. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Scrambled. I'm your co-host, Chad Douglas. And I'm Nikki Shields. So Nikki, holiday season is coming up soon and we thought it would be good to talk about anxiety and different things around the holidays. Yes, the holidays are upon us. And as exciting as that can be, it does bring some additional stressors for kids and adults alike. So this episode is going to be focused on how to prevent some of that stress, but also how to cope with it when it happens anyway. Yeah, because there's many different layers here we can unfold if we want or start to unpeel. Uh, Let's start, since we are about children's mental health, let's start with the kiddos and uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas coming up. Last year with the pandemic, a lot of people, uh, yours truly included, skipped family functions. So for my kiddos, it's been a couple years since we've done big family events like this. And for my son in particular, who has anxiety, um, sometimes large crowds can can set him off. That's a trigger for him. So what advice do you have for uh, those of us with kids or adults who just can't handle the big crowds and being separated for a year and a half from these crowds of going back in and facing their fears? Well, it probably won't surprise you to hear that one of the first tips that I would have for that is to plan ahead and talk about it as a family. So letting the kids know, hey, we're going to do a thing that it's been a while since we've done. And how do you feel about that? Are you excited? Are you nervous? What do you think is going to be challenging about that? Are you looking forward to it? What do you think we could do if we start to get overwhelmed? Um, you know, and you kind of make a plan. You know how as families we, we well, we should be having, you know, fire safety plans and talking about what to do if the fire alarm goes off and kind of practicing those things from time to time. I would suggest the same sort of approach to this. Let's talk about what it's going to be like at grandma's house when all those people are there. What do you think will be the hardest thing for you? Where do you think you want to set to feel like you have the most, you know, comfort and control? Um, what could you do if you start to feel nervous and there's a lot of people around? Who who are your buddies there? Who makes you feel the safest? Just having those kind of conversations with kids on the front end can help. It doesn't mean that you won't run into any struggles or there mm. won't be tense moments, but it absolutely gets everybody kind of lined up to, to not be surprised when it does happen, um, but also maybe have some game plans in place. Okay. What about the traveling over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go, whether you're traveling by uh, plane, which again, over the last year and a half, not a lot of folks, not a lot of families may have done, or even in the car, if you have a several hour car ride with the littles can be kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Fun is the wrong word. Um, I am not a great big fan of traveling with children. So I'm going to struggle to give good advice on this one. Uh, But, but, Part of it is just knowing in advance this, this is going to be tough, um, knowing your own triggers, knowing how what do you need to cope. I'm a big fan of earbuds in the car because that mm-hmm. gives me the opportunity to zone out for a couple of minutes. I'm not typically the driver, so that's that's fairly yeah. safe. Um, but, you know, bring things that do occupy your kids. This is a time where I say don't worry about screen rules. If you're going to be in the car for eight hours driving to somebody's house for the holidays, those kids can use their devices. That is the best use of that kind of thing. Um, um, so so bring them, have them charged, have them loaded with content that you approve of, and just let them use that. Now, the 
ugly underside of that is that when you get there and they've been staring at a screen for eight hours, they're going to be dysregulated. They're going to need some exercise, some activity, some, some stuff to kind of get them back on track. Um, but when you're, you know, stuck in a vehicle or you're flying or you're dealing with airports, you just got to do what you got to do to get through it. Um, but again, just like the other one, plan ahead, you know, know what's going to be hard for your kid, have conversations about that. Um, show if you have little kids and they'll be flying for the first time, especially if they are prone to anxiety, having a conversation about what flying feels like and maybe showing them videos on YouTube about what it's like to get into an airplane the first time. So there's no, you know, surprises. There's always going to be surprises. That would be, that'd be something to keep in mind, but so that they kind of know what to expect just a little bit more. Uh, especially too, when you talk about security, we did that when we flew uh, for the first and second time with our kids of like, when we get there, guys, you got to be on your best behavior through security because they don't mess around. And that's not the time to be funny or, or to be cute. You just mind your P's and Q's, get through security, and then you can kind of have a little relaxation at the gates if you need that or at the Burger King that's in the, <laughs> that's in the, the <laughs> airport or whatnot. Well, you said Burger King, and that made me think of Cinnabon for some reason. Mm-hmm. So something else that I thought I would share today, when you're traveling, you're eating a bunch of junk. And yeah. when you eat junk you feel like junk. And so planning ahead for some healthy snacks, bringing things along that your kids, you know, will eat and, and that, you know, make them feel good and and not kind of, you know, gross. Like when we eat a bunch of things we're not used to. Um, so that can be good, but also just knowing if, if your child has had sugary drinks and ice cream and cookies and candy, and you know, once you get to your destination and you're eating all this fun holiday food, that's going to affect their behavior a little bit. You're going you're yeah. to see some dysregulation that you might not normally see. And so know that that's coming and you can break it up by, you know, again, putting healthier snacks in between all those unhealthy things, um, making sure they're getting lots of activity. And I know this kind of ventures into a new problem, a new topic, but um, when, when you're not used to um, eating like you would on the road or at a lot, you know, a series of holiday events, physical activity can help kids burn off all that dysregulation. So going for a walk, um, doing any kind of, you know, exercise. Um, I'm trying to think of different age groups. How old are your kids, Chad? Uh, 11 and 8. 11 and 8. So 11 and 8-year-olds are pretty good at running. You know, if there's a safe place that they can maybe run some laps or play some outdoor games or something like that, that's a good way to kind of get them back on track. So I guess to kind of sum up that, all of this different food, you have to kind of counterbalance that with healthier snacks and more activity. And for the adults in there that if you're driving, I mean, I am the driver in the family. And so when we get someplace long, it's I'm exhausted because I've had to focus on keeping us safe for eight hours or whatever. So leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) So what if you're, what if your family is hosting your family, your extended family is coming over and you know, your kids prone to anxiety or whatever, they're in their safe place but still, crowds might be a trigger. Yeah, and it's it's almost like their safe place becomes just inundated by all these potentially unsafe people because right. maybe they're people they're not familiar with or maybe they're, you know, cousins at the same age who, you know, they, they can kind of get on each other's nerves after so much time. Um, so the best thing that I can suggest there is create an extra safe place within your home that really is off limits to other family members. So maybe it's their bedroom, but maybe their bedroom is where lots of kids are going and hanging out. So maybe it's your room or maybe it's a little corner in the laundry room, but setting up kind of a, a safe place they can go. Kiddos with anxiety need a break from all that stimulation. And so having a place to go that is truly quiet and comfortable and safe and where they don't have to, you know, 
mind their P's and Q's and worry about what everybody else is doing is really good. So Nikki, you mentioned cousin. And I know one thing that we've dealt with is uh, kids about the same age have different rules from their parents when it comes to screens at the dinner table or the amount of time you're supposed to do or certain apps that they can play. And they want to now play with you. And you're like, but that's a 14 plus game and we're allowed 12 plus. How do you handle that kind of stuff? Is, is it wrong just to be like, I'm not so-and-so's parent? Because <laughs> that's the excuse my kids get. If it's wrong, I'm super guilty. You know, I mean, it, it, that is, that is continue to make that boundary clear. I'm not responsible for them, so I don't make the rules for them. I am responsible for you, and I will make your rules. But you can also have a kind conversation about, hey, when they get here, you might notice they have different rules than you do, or they might have different expectations, or maybe their parents let them do things that you don't normally get to do. That might seem really weird, but you got to remember who's your mom and dad, you know, who's who, <laughs> kind of going back and letting them know, just just reminding them, hey, this might be a thing that happens, but that doesn't mean your rules change. Um, but, you know, maybe having a conversation with those other parents when they get there about, well, what are you, what's your cutoff time for screen time at night? How many, you know, just communicating about it. And that way everybody's on the same page and they know there's a difference. Um, but then, okay. So I'm usually pretty rule focused, but it's the holidays. And sometimes we do let mm -hmm. them do things that they might not normally get to do because that's what happens. Just know that if you're going to change bedtime or you're going to allow more screen time than usual, you might see some fallout from that. And so if you're going to relax your rules to align more with what others are doing, just be prepared to kind of pick up the pieces of things get, you know, a little bit tense or if that anxiety goes up a little bit. Are you allowed to let kids be kids when yeah, you go to extended family? That's kind of important. Yeah. It's kind of important. Um, but but for kids with anxiety, you'll you'll sometimes get feedback from family members who think maybe you're being too uptight or, you know, that you need to relax and they'll relax more if you do. And, you know, I, I can't dig into if that's true or not for every family. But what I can say is you are the parents and you are the ones that have to go back home with them when this is all over or the ones that are there with them when everybody else leaves for the, you know, to go back to the to their homes. Um, but you, you can let them be kids, but you also know that your child feels best with certain things in place and mm -hmm. you don't really want to lose sight of that. And I think too, I don't want to lose sight that this is, this is fun. You know, you're, you're with family you might not see very often and yes, it might be crowded. It might be hot. Again, for us, it's been a couple of years since we've seen some of the extended family. So I'm looking forward to it. So I don't want to lose sight of that. So go mm -hmm. and enjoy yourselves. And now I'm going to suck all the fun out of it. So what do you do when you get with the relative and difficult conversations come up? Politics. <laughs> um, you know, newlyweds, when you're going to have the baby or when you're getting married. How do you deal with that? Now we're kind of out of the kid phase and going into let's talk adults here. Okay, so this this is probably not the answer you're looking for, but is, is it an option to like accidentally spill your drink and distract attention from whatever's going on around you? No. After the last seven years, they're probably going to get on to me and be like, oh, they're going to notice. <laughs> yeah, that gravy boat breaks every year when Chad's here. <laughs> What's going on with that guy? It'll just make them ask more questions. But so here's the thing. People, when they ask those kinds of questions, they mean well. They do. Right. Really? It, it, what they do, they do because they care about you. They want okay. to know what's going on in your life. You're talking right? baby getting married stuff. I was still stuck on, I was still stuck on politics. Okay. So the politic part. So let's break this up. Okay. okay. So we're going to, we're going to look at part one, which is how to deal with politics, <laughs> vaccine mandates, mask rules coronavirus issues, that kind of thing. We'll talk about that first. And then we're going to talk about what to do when well-meaning family members pry or ask questions that make you uncomfortable. Fair. So part one, uh, it, it's a little bit hard to avoid. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of 
um, making a joke at just the right minute to kind of diffuse the tension. And so, you know, as soon as the the family member that you know is very politically minded and has a lot to say on it, and you're, you're pretty sure that's going to be inflammatory and ignite somebody else, you know, at that point, crack a joke, turn the turn the the mood around, maybe start to retell a story, a family memory. You know, you're the time that everybody did X, Y, and Z, and how funny that was. Kind of turn it around to something else that's more of a passive sort of indirect way to, to change the subject. So that's an option, right? If you, if you have that skill, if you have the ability to do that, sure. Right. You might have to, you might have to align with another family member who's, who's got a good sense of humor or is really good at like, you know, getting the attention. Like my husband could be that guy. If I was worried about a tense conversation, I could be like, okay, I need you to be on the lookout for this. If this topic comes up, here's what I need you to do. Right. There's, there's one of those in every family. So um, you, you can do that. That's a pretty passive approach though. Um, a, a more direct approach would be to simply say, you know what, it is time to spend time together and enjoy each other's company. And I think if we talk about this, we're going to end up having some frustrations that we really just don't want around the Thanksgiving table, right? So you can be a little more direct and you can say, this is really not a great space for this. Or you can say, you know what, how about after dessert, those of you that want to talk about politics can go do that in the den. The rest of us are going to play a game. You know, so there's different ways to handle it. If you know there's a family member that that you're close enough with and you know that they're likely to bring up some of these subjects, um, you know, maybe talk to them in advance. Hey, I know you like to talk about politics, but you know what happens when you do that. Could we maybe avoid that just for today? You know, yeah. that's that, <laughs> those are some ideas that I have. What would you do, Chad? How would you handle that? I would probably go more. I don't know. I could go one of two ways, depending on the mood that I'm in. One of to crack the joke lighten the mood um or geez if i'm in the wrong mood i'm you're gonna cast that hook and i'm gonna eat the bait <laughs> <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna go with it and you're, you're gonna get inflamed yeah but i know my wife is really good about you know a little hand on the knee or something to be mm -hmm. like just shush so <laughs> no yeah I, that now. I just i don't like confrontation period so i probably would avoid in some way but i would be more instinctively inclined to crack a joke or change the subject of, of some sort. Because really, and I say this about social media when you see stuff, you are not going to change anyone's mind based on your opinion, period. So yeah. just move on. Your opinion is simply that. Your opinion. Exactly. And everybody else appears to have their own. So well, yeah, you're, you're right. Leave it there. But at the same time, I will say there are some families that legitimately just, just enjoy a heated debate. You know, mm -hmm. that's more important than the turkey or whatever. Sure. Um, and so if your family enjoys those conversations and even if it gets, you know, a little bit intense that you know that everybody's going to get back on track and be OK. OK, well, yeah. enjoy it. But if it's making you uncomfortable or you feel like it's causing attention that people maybe aren't really ready to work through. It's one, one thing you miss, miss about the baby stage. Oh, baby needs a diaper change. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And if you have a baby, you can always pinch it and it'll oh. cry. And then uh, I'm kidding. You yeah, can't pinch yeah. your baby. It's a terrible idea. Don't listen to me. <laughs> Speaking of babies. Okay. So now you've, you've got uh, grandma who's well-intended, well-intentions of saying like, when you're going to have the baby or blah, blah, blah. How do you handle those kind of conversations? So first thing, we are we live in a new era where people are a little bit more conscious of things like fertility issues, like, you know, the potential for relationship issues that people might be having in the background there. 
people are starting to pick up on, oh, it's it's really not, you know, very polite to ask those questions unless, you know, you're super close with someone and, and sometimes doing that in front of other people can be uncomfortable. So this is maybe a public service announcement, like don't ask those questions. It, mm-hmm. it can potentially trigger someone to be upset about a struggle that they may have may be having. There are some families that maybe they'd like very much to have a child, but yep. they haven't been able to so far. And so those questions can kind of light a fire. Um, but if you're the person being asked that question over and over again, you know, it, it kind of depends on your your style. So as I said before, me, I'm going to make a joke. I'm going to be like, you know what? You ask me that every time I see you. And what do I say? What's my answer every single time? You know, I'm, I'm going to make a joke and I'm going to kind of deflect it and, and put it back on the person asking the question. But I know not everybody feels comfortable doing that. So this is, again, where you can be a little bit passive and be like, you know what? I don't want to talk about that today. Or, hey, why don't we go over here and I'll tell you a little bit about it, right? So you might need to just explain why asking that question kind of hurts right now. Yeah, because you, you don't really want to hurt their feelings. As you said, they're they're asking those questions because they have good intentions behind that question. Mm-hmm. It just might yeah, come across the wrong you. way. I'm real mm-hmm. good at putting my foot in my mouth, too. Um, something I, quote unquote, pride myself on. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> it's it's so bad. It's so bad. Yeah, that's a skill that I'm real good at that I kind of wish would go away. But hey, you know, good at something, right? <laughs> well, you can practice it this holiday season. Oh, good. Yes. That gravy boat just poured on the foot. One of the biggest things, I know I struggle with this every single year, even though I know better, um, going into the holiday season, a lot of times we let our typical health and stress management practices go by the wayside. Mm. We think, I don't care about what I'm eating, there's Christmas cookies everywhere, right? Or, you know what, I'm not going to take a walk today because it's icy out and I don't want to do it. Um, So we can kind of get out of the habit of these things that kind of keep us stable, that keep us in a good place, right? Right. So, you know, things like your sleep schedule, try to try to go to bed at the same time every night, get up at the same time every day, Um, make sure that you're keeping up with hygiene and keeping your meal schedule fairly regular. Um, If you're going to eat a bunch of, you know, holiday foods that are maybe a little less healthy than what you would normally eat, try to, you know, have your your healthy meals in between. Right. Thanksgiving dinner is one meal and then a couple of days of leftovers, but that doesn't mean you can't, you know, have some vegetables and, mm-hmm. and kind of stay on the healthy wagon the, the rest of the time. Um, allow yourself to enjoy a little break from some of this stuff, but don't fall completely out of whack because you're going to notice that your anxiety goes back up, you know, and, and, and it won't take much time at all for you to, you know, be, oh gosh, I have so much work to do to get back to where I was. So you want to keep those practices going. A big thing for people this time of year is that there's more opportunities for alcohol, right? And, and if you, you know, know how to drink responsibly and you enjoy it, that can be a very enjoyable part of your holiday season. But you also need to know that alcohol can be um, a, a depressant. It can increase your anxiety if you're drinking more than you normally do, or if you don't really ever drink at all, and all of a sudden you're having several drinks a day over over a period of time, you're, you may in, experience increased anxiety, um, some depression symptoms, and it's just going to make it tougher to, to feel solid and feel balanced. So you want to be careful with that and and, and try to just be aware. Notice your sure. triggers and your red flags. Sure. Uh, when about does uh, seasonal affective disorder kick in? Is that any time now or does it wait until closer to Christmas, maybe after the new year? The fun part about seasonal affective disorder, <laughs> if that might okay. be the wrong word, but it can literally happen at any time for people based on their own internal clock, right? So okay. some people have seasonal affective disorder symptoms start up in the spring. 
Um, Some people it's in the summer. Some people it's in the fall. I would say based on my experience in working with individuals, early to mid fall is when people start to really pay attention about the time that it's getting darker earlier, just before the daylight savings change. We tend to tend to start to see it more. It's harder to get out of bed. You know, our energy may be down a little bit. Our appetite is shifting. Maybe we're eating less or we're eating more. Um, but I would say for a lot of people, that's probably already starting. They're pr- if they are prone to seasonal affective disorder, they are probably already seeing some of the, the red flags and the signs. And so it's, it's when you add that to everything else that's going on in the holiday season, it, things can escalate pretty quickly. And you can, you can be experiencing much heightened anxiety when you you weren't just a few weeks prior. So another big thing to be aware of in terms of mental health going into the holidays is grief. Mm. So for many people, we've, you know, especially with a pandemic going on, there have been a lot of losses, right? Mm -hmm. And going into the holiday season, sure, we want to watch the Christmas movies and drink hot chocolate and decorate the tree. And, you know, those those kinds of things are on the horizon. And, you know, Thanksgiving, we're thinking about gratitude and turkey and stuffing and (laughs) spending time with family and those kinds of things. But if you've lost someone, if if you've experienced a major loss, you're not feeling the holiday spirit, right? right. And so it, it can take something, you know, grief, which is a very lonely experience, um, and just sort of exaggerate it. Because even though you might be in a room full of many other people, grief is intense, and, and it kind of takes over. And so um, if you are experiencing grief going into this holiday season, there's a couple of things to keep in mind. One, let yourself feel it. You don't have to fake it, right? You don't have to be the embodiment of Christmas cheer or holiday cheer this year. Um, you just have to take care of yourself and, uh, you can start to think about like new traditions and, and what are some things that you could do that would bring you comfort this year, um, to kind of help replace some of those traditions that maybe you've lost. Um, but take care of yourself again with the eating and sleeping and keeping a regular schedule. Those things are important, but also talk about it and reach out to a counselor, um, seek help from a grief support group. Maybe talk to your pastor at church, um, but do what you can to get through it. And just know that it's okay to have a really hard time with it during the holiday season. The holidays are not wonderful for everyone, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, that was not on my radar when we uh, said we should do a, a bonus episode about this. So yeah, very important for that. And especially if this is a, a first year or first holiday without a loved one, it could be a little extra tough. Yeah, for sure. So Nikki, I'm kind of getting the overall theme here is just to communicate and talking with either your kids with anxiety or family members, or, you know, if you have a difficult cousin or something that's, that could raise a ruckus at the dinner table, it's just all about communication. But with you internally, you should know your triggers of what's going to happen. If, if politics comes up and you know, that's going to inflame you, then you need to walk away or be prepared for that. What else can you do um, going back to the children now? to watch them for some nonverbal cues of when they're getting uncomfortable and you need to step in. It is important to know your own internal stress signals, but as a parent, um, you even if you aren't aware that you're aware, you can tell when your kid is starting mm-hmm. to um, become more tense or get anxious. You you know, we just, we kind of instinctively know. You can always tell if they're sick or um, having a hard time. And um, and sometimes it's as simple as the volume of their voice. Maybe they're, they're suddenly talking much louder or much quieter. Um, their body language may be shifting instead of, you know, sitting like 
they normally would. Maybe they're restless. Maybe they're slumped. Um, you know, you're just you're going to pay attention to those physical and verbal and nonverbal things that your kids are doing, and that will tell you if they're starting to experience some distress related to these holidays. And when you see those red flags, your job as mom or dad or parent or guardian in the situation is then to figure out what do they need to get back to their baseline. So is it sleep? Is it some healthy snacks that aren't candy and cookies? Is it physical activity? Is it a break from all the chaos? Yeah, you know? Fresh air. Mm -hmm. Fresh air is a pretty big deal. Getting outside and getting some sun can help too. Mm. Um, there's just something about being outdoors that can kind of bring your system back to um, a, a more stable, comfortable place. And so if you're feeling tense, your kids probably are too. So go outside, take a little break. Even if it's cold, sometimes the cold is, is perfect to kind of snap you out of a, a mood or, you know, um, some increased anxiety or something. Sure. And sometimes the houses are hot because they're mm -hmm. smaller or they're crowded with people and you've had an oven going for 12 hours to cook that bird. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing I think we should touch on, Nikki, is finances because I know that can cause some anxiety in some families this time of year. Yes, it can. Christmas shopping, holiday expenses, decorating, travel expenses. It is, it is not cheap to, to enter the holidays. I think, you know, the best advice, and I cannot tell you that I practice what I preach here, um, but is go into the holidays with a budget. Know approximately what you have to spend on gifts or travel or Thanksgiving dinner or whatever it is you're doing to celebrate. Um, know, know what your budget is and work within it. It is, you don't have to have a perfect holiday where everybody has like perfectly matching jammies and everything, you know, it doesn't have to be Pinterest perfect. Um, go live within your means. You will be so much less stressed at the start of the new year if you have not blown your budget. The stress of overspending is not worth it in the end. Uh, th and that's something I like to talk with families a lot about this time of year. You know, you may may get obsessed with finding the perfect gift for everybody on your list and, and just, just that right thing. And chances are all these people that you love so much, they don't remember what you gave them last year. Right. And, and I've actually, I'll do that test from time to time when I find myself getting, oh, no, no, I haven't spent enough or I need to get them one more thing. Mm -hmm. I'll stop and I'll, I'll ask the kids, well, what did you get for Christmas from mom and dad last year? Do you remember? Most of the time, unless it was like something living, like, you know, a pet or something yeah. they don't remember and so yeah. it's not worth the stress and and i think i use that as kind of a stress check for myself am i putting too much into this yes probably okay i can back off interesting so it seems to be uh, all of this can be wrapped up in a nice little tidy bow <laughs> with pre-planning your finances your checklist for anxiety knowing if you're if you're going in uh, living with some grief this holiday season just know that that's all part of it and just plan as much as you can. Although, you know, as well as I do, there's going to be old Uncle Curveball in there that throws you, that's going to derail the, the the best laid plans. But again, go into it and enjoy yourselves and enjoy the fact that we get to be around family um, this year. Because last year, as several people did, we chose not to, and many of my extended family chose not to. And it's, we, we miss each other and it's it's great to have Facebook to keep up and texting and all that, but it's just, it's not the same seeing people face to face. So enjoy the holiday season. We will be back next week with a regular episode. This one will be about panic attacks. Yep. That will be episode seven. And again, we ask that you, if you listen to us, or you like us, make sure you tell your friends about us, like us on Facebook. We also have our website, scrambledpodcast.com. We'd appreciate any ratings and reviews you want to give us to where you listen to this podcast. And we just really want to start that conversation and the conversation starts with you.